You know, you may find this hard to believe, Fear the Fro listeners, but your host, Bob Schmidt, was not much of a competitive athlete, sure. I wanted to be. I've been involved in sports all throughout my life in some capacity. I did everything I could to affect the outcome. Now, full disclaimer, I couldn't shoot. I couldn't dribble. Most of my contributions took place from the sidelines. Sometimes I was standing on the court, but never was I involved in the actual play itself. I tried and tried to make an imprint on the game. The real value in being a trash athlete is it taught me several life lessons, such as how to accept defeat. In the event, you do everything you can and you still don't get the outcome you want, you need to just be the bigger person. Accept it. Congratulate your victorious opponent, even if deep down inside it kills you to do that. Realize that sometimes, no matter what you do, the better team will still prevail. So live to fight another day. Return to the locker room. Put your whistle away, take off your referee uniform, and get the fuck out of Cleveland. Because you tried to screw us, but you failed. Victory. Bring the house down. Three on the way. Good. And Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has erupted. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Yeah! yeah! Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. Bob Schmidt, your host, the voice of Fox Sports Radio, exercising some demons. Look at that. Look atop the win column. Look atop the standings of the Eastern Conference. What's that you see? Can you, do you smell that? That's the Milwaukee Bucks piddling in their pants as we're right on their heels. One game back, tied atop the win column. Three teams because the Celtics have lost three in a row. The Bucks have now lost one in a row, and the Cavs have won five in a row, although it probably should be six after they defeated both the referees and the Bucks tonight. It's neck and neck and neck, with the Cavaliers having a chance to exercise another demon, taking on the Toronto Raptors, who prior to tonight had lost six games in a row before narrowly defeating the red-hot New York Knicks, who coming into the evening against them had won eight in a row. That win streak had kicked off against us, if you recall, in that disappointing Sunday loss to a team that should not have beat us. But we're not going to dwell on that now, because now is the time to celebrate a victory. But I'd like to offer up one other victory beyond just the Bucks one before we move on from that Raptors-Knicks game. Now, you may be saying to yourself, Bob, how could you offer me a victory that somehow relates to the Raptors and Knicks game? Pascal Siakam scored 52 points with nine rebounds and seven assists. This is exactly the type of news I don't want to hear. Well, if that's all you took away from that Raptors game, I would encourage you to do a little digging. Because if you just scroll down the box score, just scroll down just a little bit more, what is that you see? Oh my goodness, it's rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes. One for ten from the floor this evening and scored just two points. Now this man, as I was told it, This man was the most impactful, best rookie last year, and several not-obnoxious-at-all Raptors fans told me that he was better than Evan Mobley. 
Despite Evan having what I think many of us would objectively call a bad game for him, where he was racked with foul trouble the entire game, in order for Scotty Barnes to produce as well as Evan Mobley did tonight, where he scored just seven points, he would have to quadruple his output. Now, before we move on to the Bucks, I promise you I'm going to do that, but I'm on a heater right now, so let me just work through all these emotions and all this slander that I've had pent up towards our next opponent. I got to get it off my chest because, God forbid, we drop a third game in a row to the Raptors. I'm never going to be able to say this stuff. I need to say it now. Recency bias is presently in my favor. That may not be the case if we go down 0-3 to the Raptors this season. So, let me tie my own rope to hang myself by so that Raptors fans can throw all this shit back in my face after Friday's game because that's how confident I am that I will not be wrong this time and that the outcome will be different. I'm sure many of you have seen the aggregated quotes from the Zach Lowe Low Post podcast about OG Ananobi, a discussion about the type of trade package that OG Ananobi would bring back. Let me just say this first as a disclaimer. I love OG Ananobi. I like the Low Post. It's a good podcast. And certainly, I, as well as anyone, can understand that if you're just talking off the cuff, sometimes you're prone to exaggeration. I mean, I just dunked all over the Raptors here. And I know they're going to be a tough battle, but I'm in that mood right now, so I just went with it. Now, Zach Lowe, in a conversation about trade value of different players around the league, said the following. The entire league wants OG Ananobi. Oh, yeah. Everybody wants OG Ananobi. If he ever gets traded, the price in picks or whatever is going to surprise people because it might be on par almost with what the Cavs gave up for Donovan Mitchell. Like, it's going to be a lot. Now, that was just because I didn't want to take the man out of context. Let this be known. I would shove my own mother to the floor to get onto the Zach Lowe podcast. I pay my respect to him. He's a golden god of podcasting. But that being said, I do have to push back against the take itself, respectfully. If you could pick one supporting type player to plug into the wing position for the Cavs and have him be a seamless fit, it would be OG Ananobi. I feel like many people feel that way because I've certainly seen suggestions and conversations about, well, could the Cavs get OG Ananobi? Could the Cavs get Kyle Kuzma? The answer to both of those questions, no. But here is why I bring up the OG Ananobi thing. Because Zach Lowe inferred that the package brought back by the Raptors in a trade where they sent him out would rival that, or at least approach that, of Donovan Mitchell. Now, you all know what we gave for Mitchell. Three first-round picks, two swaps, and a trio of young, talented players. One of which will probably be in the All-Star game in Salt Lake City, and that is Lowry Markkinen. The idea that a great supporting player will bring back a package anywhere close to the one that we gave up for a MVP conversation, clear number one option in Donovan Mitchell, who again, just to remind you, scored 36 points tonight, including 26 of those in the second half, is blasphemous. I love OG Ananobi. In almost no context would I disparage him. But OG Ananobi and Donovan Mitchell are in two completely different tiers. And the idea that OG Ananobi a year and a half from needing what will probably be a max deal, is going to bring you back a haul anywhere close to Donovan Mitchell is absolute insanity. He has this year, then he has next year, then he has a player option at age 27. Do we actually think he's going to pick that up and play for less than $20 million when he can perhaps sign his biggest, most lucrative contract yet? No. And furthermore, when we acquire Donovan Mitchell, we have three 
entire seasons of control before he has the ability to test a player option. Not a season and a half, three full years to make this thing work. That is why Donovan Mitchell cost as much as he did. That and the fact that he's an all-NBA level player. OG Ananobi is a very respectable offensive player. He averages just shy of 19 points a game. He's shooting 47-34 splits. It's good. It's not great. It's not elite. But you know he's a complimentary offensive player. What he really has a reputation for is as a versatile, rangy defender. Can we think of another guy known as a defender who fetched a Donovan Mitchell-like haul this offseason? His name was Rudy Gobert. Does anybody here think that the Minnesota Timberwolves aren't regretting that deal at this moment if they were being honest with themselves? Absolutely not. And you know what the difference between Gobert and OG Ananobi is? The Timberwolves have four years of control, which they may now regret, four years at $170 million, but they had four years of control because Gobert had just extended. Anyone taking on OG Ananobi has no guarantee of that. They could give up that massive haul of picks. He's not coming off a rookie contract. You don't have restricted rights. He could walk out the door. There is not a GM in this league who would make that deal unless he wanted to be fired because it's risky as hell and on top of being a massive overpay. So I shouldn't be so offended by a simple opinion on a podcast, but this is where the insane, inflated sense of self-worth comes from all the Raptors fans who just think that every one of their players is a future MVP-level player. Okay, so that's why we have to squelch that. And that's why people need to push back instead of just saying, I like OG, so I'm going to push this narrative out there. No, he gets enough credit. He doesn't need to be paralleled with Donovan Mitchell. And meanwhile, Donovan Mitchell is playing MVP-level ball, and he can't even get brought up in conversations with, with Luka and Giannis and Tatum. And I'm not saying that he should win the award. But the fact that when his name does get brought up, it's in a conversation alongside OG Ananobi, that I cannot abide. So let's get back to tonight where the Cleveland Cavaliers defeated the first place team in the Eastern Conference, narrowing the Bucks' lead over them to just one game. The Cavaliers are now clumped atop the Eastern Conference. There is a three-way 22-win tie. It should be pointed out that despite this incredible stretch of winning that the Cavaliers have done, things are not getting any easier in the Eastern Conference. You plop this Cavs team in the West, they're leading the whole conference. But in the East, we have four 20-win teams already because the Brooklyn Nets don't look now. Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they are on a win streak, seven in a row, and they absolutely kick the doors in against the defending champion Golden State Warriors tonight. I hope you're prepared to be disgusted, because in the first half alone, during which the Warriors scored 91 points and had a 40-point lead, Royce O'Neal, noted offensive juggernaut, was a perfect 5-for-5 from the field, 4-for-4 from three-point land. Kevin Durant, 8-of-9 for 21 points at halftime. They shot 71% from the floor, 68% from three, in the first half alone. And yet still, with James Wiseman, scoring 17 points in the first half and going a perfect 7-for-7, they were down 40. And the man who we were all told is the 33rd best player in the NBA, according to the ringer, Draymond Green, listed as both better than Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. How did he do tonight? The 33rd best player in the NBA, without a security blanket, Steph Curry, contributed 
two points. Two points in a complete drubbing at the hands of the Brooklyn Nets. Say what you will about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, but they didn't even need Kyrie tonight. Irving didn't play, and they still beat the Golden State Warriors by 30 points. They had nine players in double digits. Throw on a Nets jersey, and you're dropping a 10-piece. So because the Warriors no-showed, and because Draymond no-showed, and because his podcast has been a total no-show since he punched out Jordan Poole, the discussion tomorrow will not be focused around Donovan Mitchell, in all likelihood. And the Cavs may have to wait for another statement game, the next chance for one of those, coming up on the 26th, as they take on the Brooklyn Nets on their home floor. Now, if things continue as they're going right now, the Nets could be riding an eight-game winning streak, We could be riding a six-game winning streak, and I'm not sure if Irving would play. That certainly would help the Nets' chances, but he sat out tonight due to calf issues, and one would think they're just playing it safe. Perhaps he wanted to spend more time around the holidays with his family, so he made some bullshit up. I wouldn't put that past Kyrie, but we'll see when the game rolls around if Mr. Irving is back in Cleveland for a showdown against Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. For somebody who missed this game, they may see the final score and say, wow, The Cavs won. They eked out a victory, an eight-point victory. No, they did not eke out a victory. They put their foot on the gas pedal, stormed out to a massive lead, 18 points at halftime, 16 points heading into the fourth quarter, and they held on. Despite a big run by the Milwaukee Bucks in the fourth quarter as they chipped away, got the lead down to five, but Donovan Mitchell was not going to let this team lose. A lot of that was because... They stopped turning the ball over in the second half. At one point in the third quarter, they had gotten to the free throw line. Giannis had gotten to the free throw line 14 times. The entire Cavs team at that point had only gotten to the line 11 times. But the difference, the big difference, was that Donovan Mitchell, as opposed to the first couple games in which we took on the Milwaukee Bucks, where we saw collapses from the Cavs in the second half, where they would let the Bucks go on a big run in the third quarter. Certainly could have been in the cards tonight, but they did not let up in the third quarter. They did not disappoint. And Donovan Mitchell had his highest scoring quarter in the third quarter, dropping 15 points of his 36 points. So he asserted himself. He did not let the Cavaliers give up the lead, despite the fact that the refs just said to the Bucks, hop on our back and an incredible statistical evening from Giannis was wasted. 45 points, 14 rebounds. Four assists, a couple blocks. The notable blemishes, 11 for 16 from the free throw line in a game that was fairly close. But compare that to Donovan Mitchell, who went to the line nine times in the fourth quarter and hit all nine free throws. Went to the line 16 times over the course of the game and shot 15 for 16. So yes, the Cavaliers did have a giant free throw disparity heading into the fourth quarter. But Donovan Mitchell single-handedly wiped that out. And at the end of the game, the Cavs shot six more free throws. The box score tells a different tale. It says, I'm a homer. Now, we saw two challenges of the officials tonight, and the Cavs won both of them. First, when Giannis grabbed Kevin Love's arm on an offensive foul, and they called Kevin Love for a foul. That was overturned. The sad part about these challenges is the Cavs still burn a timeout when they use it. I feel like if you win... You should get to hold on to it, or you should get another challenge. Then, on the other side of the court, Budenholzer challenged a foul by Giannis because he said that Jared Allen struck Giannis in the face, but what the video showed was that Jared Allen was falling away from the hoop and that Giannis moved under him. So, the Cavs won that as well. 
A small moral victory, I guess, despite the fact that you had to leave some plays on the board that you wished you could have challenged, like the goaltend against Jared Allen at the end of the first quarter, which was a clean block. Now, my next grievance wouldn't be a whistle that I expected, but more just a play that I've come to expect from Grayson Allen as he used his off arm to try to create space from Donovan Mitchell and ended up smacking him in the penis. Unfortunate. But if there was ever a Grayson Allen play, that was it right there. And the fact that he flopped on the other end to bait a whistle against Kevin Love just compounded my irritation. How about the turnovers from Brooke Lopez? And unlike that 7-3 point game that he hit against us, much quieter this time around. Still had 14 points, but did not have six blocks, did not have three blocks. No, just one block tonight. His impact on the first two games was very noticeable tonight. Despite being the second leading scorer, pretty much nobody on their team showed up outside of Giannis. I mean, you had 14 from Lopez, you had 11 from Bochamp, and nobody else scored in double digits. And more troubling still is that the first half, they turned the ball over 14 times. It was That was a huge part of why the Cavaliers ran up such a big lead. Isaac Okoro, the more as these games go by, the more confident he looks. And his first half, he finished the game with eight points. But all eight of those points came in the first half. And he knocked down both his looks from the corner, two for two in the first half. That went along with two three-pointers from Kevin Love, who kicked off that 15-0 run. A brilliant dime, full court, outlet pass to Jetty Osman, who got us three buckets in his typical style. Full speed, heading straight at the rim. He had six points at half. Those contributions vastly outpaced what we saw on the other side of the floor. Now, just for reference, those guys I mentioned, Isaac Okoro, eight points at halftime. Love giving six points at halftime. Osman, six points at halftime. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, you got basically nothing off the bench. Bobby Portis chipped in two points, but they made one of eight shots taken from all of their bench players. Portis, Connaughton, Ingles, Javon Carter, they sucked. Their second unit sucked. That's been a problem for us typically, but tonight that went the other way. Positive movement from Kevin Love. He played almost 30 minutes tonight because of Evan's foul trouble. So we asked a lot of him and he showed up when we needed him to, especially during that huge surge. We could have imploded when Mobley went out. Giannis was playing very aggressively, but instead we poured it on. We saw him take six three-point shots. So that's more towards the Kevin Love, which we're typically used to. Okoro, the question is going to be when Stevens and Wade are back in the fold, will the shared minutes situation, will the shorter leash disrupt him? Hopefully not. What we really need is consistency from multiple options. Against the Raptors, we'll get a chance to see how he can stack up against some rangy wing defenders on their side of the ball. Jared Allen. Big game throughout. Incredible demeanor. And it would be easy for him to get frustrated finding himself getting these touch whistles night in and night out. Have to think that the Raptors game, though, may be one of those games where he's able to exploit a mismatch in his favor. Donovan Mitchell, following tonight's game, gave praise to the defensive effort of the front court, and I thought it was well-deserved. Defensively, you know, when you got to deal with both Evan and J.A., it's tough. You know, it's tough to continuously throw all those bodies at you and to make plays. And to Giannis's credit, he still found a way to get 45. But J.A., you know, I think those two guys deserve 
um, high, high, high consideration for all defensive team, especially JA. Um, you look at you know us when he's out and when he's when he's out there and when he's not playing. There's a big difference because he really holds the fort down for us. And they get biases that go ahead and try him. And you know we got to have their backs. But JA, JA especially has really held the fort down, especially defensively. You heard the man. NBA All-Defensive Honors, that's what we need. And I'm hoping for a first-team nod for Jared Allen and a second-team nod for Evan Mobley. Now that is a long shot, as Jared Allen is just 15th in the league in blocks per game, and those are the numbers that the people who don't watch him on a night-in, night-out basis are going to notice. But you find me a big man who's more willing to put his body between a guy in the rim than Jared Allen, even if it means getting posterized. I trust no one in that role more than Jared Allen. And he should be rewarded. And that's why he has a podcast named after him. He might not get the accolades, but he is what I aspire to be. Unselfish, the perfect teammate. Whereas I am a sack of shit. I don't even have a co-host because I'm just not likable. Now, speaking of people who aren't liked, mortgage lenders. Dan Gilbert is no stranger to criticism and his business is not one that lends itself to a generally positive public perception. But now... A fellow mortgage lender has entered the ownership ranks of the NBA as Matt Ishbia has agreed to purchase the Phoenix Suns for $4 billion. The drama is this. These two are bitter professional rivals. When Rocket Mortgage laid off 2,000 employees, Matt Ishbia called it disgusting. He took over United Wholesale Mortgage in 2013 from his father and became the president and CEO. And at that time, they had 12 employees. He has grown it to have over 7,000 employees. And he and Dan Gilbert are not fans of each other. They both support the Michigan State Spartans. But here is a low-down, dirty move by Dan Gilbert that I both applaud and am disgusted at at the same time. I'm, I'm applauding it more because I'm all for this type of throw-money-at-the-problem solution. It's what led us to a championship. So can't be mad at the man. Matt Ishbia who went to Michigan State, donated $32 million to the athletic department in 2021. Just a month later, and you may remember these headlines, Dan Gilbert signed a five-year deal that made Rocket Mortgage the presenting sponsor of Michigan State Spartans basketball. Can you imagine how pissed you'd be if you donated $32 million and less than a month later, it was rendered irrelevant by a $50 million licensing deal? What a dick but brilliant move by Dan Gilbert. So now there is no love lost between these two men, the Phoenix Suns and the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is where the basketball part comes in. You may have noticed a lot of suggestions that the Cavaliers would be better off if they traded for Jay Crowder. I have been diametrically opposed to that from day one. Crowder is a giant locker room risk. He makes more money than Chetty. Chetty has a full year left at only $6.7 million, and if we were to get Crowder, we would have to give up Osman. I personally think the biggest hole for this Cavs team at the moment is reliable bench scoring. It's not wing defense. We've got three guys, you could argue, Wade Stevens and Okoro, who can all fill that role on that side of the court, but where we go back and forth on who should be the guy to play is what kind of consistency can they give you offensively, and I don't want to hear a goddamn thing about, well, Crowder's playoff tested. The man shot 30% from three in the playoffs last year. Isaac Okoro can do that, given the opportunity. If we want a dog shit three-point shooter who plays defense but is super old, well, yeah, Jay Crowder's your man. But I would rather have a dog shit three-point shooter who can play defense who's super young. 
And if that's what Okoro ends up being, so be it. But he's coming along a little bit, little by little. I think we can all say slight progress. Hopefully it sticks. Crowder wants to be paid. He wants to be paid so badly he's refusing to play. But we've been through all this on the Fear of the Fro podcast. What we haven't been through is the celebration that can now commence. Because there is no way in hell Matt Ishbia is going to make a deal that benefits the Cleveland Cavaliers or Dan Gilbert. He won't even probably sit down at the table with him. That deal is ding-dong dead. Now, maybe I can convince Matt Ishbia to make some sort of monetary donation to the Fear the Fro podcast, and then Dan Gilbert, in a dick-measuring contest, can swoop in and sponsor my podcast for like $50 million. Because when I began this thing, it was just a humble podcast by a Cavs fan, but it's grown by leaps and bounds, thanks to all of you, and it's about goddamn time I sell out. So that is a goal for 2023. It's on the horizon. But for now, I'll continue to chug along, appreciative of the listens, of the subscriptions, of the people who have reached out to me at bob at fropod.com. Thank you for listening to the Fear of the Fro podcast. Thank you for making it where it is right now and what it will be in the future. I appreciate every single one of you. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, all that jazz. This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.